Hey there, listeners. Thanks for stopping by to the podcast today. Please, before you're done listening to this episode, leave us a review. If you're on Spotify, you can review now. And you can also review on Apple Podcasts. But if there's any platforms that I'm forgetting about and you can leave us a review, please do so. If you're happening to watch us on YouTube, and if you don't know, you can watch these podcasts on YouTube now, uh, please like and subscribe to the channel and share the episode as well. So thanks for stopping by, everybody, and enjoy the episode. Knowledge is Power is where you come to hear people's life experiences to learn from. So without further ado, let's roll the intro. Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We'll one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hello and welcome back to the Knowledge is Power podcast. This is your host, Max Willett. And this is a, another interesting experience because this is the most people I've had in a room before <laughs> filming a podcast. I've had two people on, but not, you know, three people in the room. So this is different for me, even though it's the this will be the 52nd episode, uh, which is fun. But I got some great guests on today. Uh, so if you guys could go ahead and introduce yourself, that would be great. Great. Well, I am Rhonda Messenborg of Alpern and Messenborg and Keller Williams Realty, I'm local real estate agent, and um, have a team with my business partner and our team members. Sam Alpern of Alpern and Messenborg with Keller Williams. Um, happy to be here. Excited to be a part of this. Thank you for having us, Max. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited too because, I mean, like most people know that I've listened to the podcast before and I give myself a free ad on the podcast every <laughs> podcast that I have my real estate license in Rhode Island. Um, but I'm really interested to hear your sort of real estate stories and uh, why you guys decided to get into real estate. So but before we get into any of that, let's learn a little bit about you guys. Tell your sort of life stories don't ever feel like you're rambling on. So let's go back to Rhonda. Let's hear your life story and how you got to this point in your life now. Wow. How much time do you have, Max? As much um, as you want. <laughs> okay. So my life, my life story. Um, so um, born and raised in Connecticut. Uh, got my real estate license. I guess I'm really fast forwarding, but um, got my real estate license in 2007. Um, before that, I was in a variety of um, different industries. I was in the medical field. Um, I actually did um, a little stint in entertainment with a family-owned business. My sister and brother-in-law, we owned um, a production company and produced children's music and toured all over, um, performing live, which was really fun. Um, decided that I um, needed a little change after doing a long um kind of stint at a pharmaceutical company and um, I was in administration and database management um, and all of that that went along with it and so I decided to get my real estate license in 2007. I was in commercial real estate. We had a home here in Rhode Island. We moved here full-time in 2010 and so I jumped into residential real estate and um, that's where I've been ever ever since. Um, personally, um, I live in Charlestown, Rhode Island with my husband Tim um, we have a son, Nick, um, who's 32 and married to the most wonderful girl in the world, Emily. Um, and they are expecting their first baby in March. So oh, we're going to be first-time grandparents. So, um, Great. Yeah, we're very excited about that. Yeah, very cool. Sam, if you want to go ahead. 
Uh, so I'm originally from New York. I went to the University of Rhode Island, worked with the men's basketball team there, uh, moved back to New York after graduating. I initially was looking at uh, getting into the collegiate level of, of basketball coaching. Uh, and towards the end of my senior year, started to realize that the lifestyle that was required was not something that I was too thrilled by the the prospects of, of having to move state to state uh, basically each and every season and not having a ton, ton of job security and whatnot. Um, so was a bit lost uh, around April of my graduating year. Uh, ended up back in New York for a year. I was doing advertising. Good company over there. Had a couple of friends actually that worked at the same company as me. However, my fiance, uh, Maria, is from East Greenwich and apparently Rhode Islanders don't leave. Mm-hmm. So I uh, had to make a decision on which was going to stick. Was it New York or was it the relationship? And I, I do uh, not only love Maria, but I actually love Rhode Island a lot as well. The cost of living, being able to be 10 minutes from the beach, having uh, roadie basketball 10 minutes from in, in the other direction for me. Um, so decided to move back here a year after having graduated. I did uh, recruitment for the management staff for nursing homes for about a year and a half. Um, the first half of that being with a a small company out of Providence. The second half of that having branched off and started doing that on my own. The problem was I felt strange pitching jobs to uh, neighboring management people within, you know, roughly a 20 mile radius of of the nursing home that I was calling on behalf of um, without knowing really what it meant to work in, in a nursing home um, or even really what the job was that I was pitching to somebody. Just never sat well with me of uh, the type of day-to-day that I was having uh, and interactions with people. So it was actually my mom that recommended that I look into real estate and I honestly basically fell ass backwards into it. Um, started real estate five and a half, almost six years ago at this point uh, and haven't looked back since. Yeah. Great. Well, I appreciate you sharing your stories. Um, yeah. And real estate, I want, somebody told me one time I was working with this person who said real estate is for people that, um, don't know what they want to do with their lives. And that was really like the least driver thing I think I've ever heard <laughs> because, and, and I really, I do respect this person and I'm probably going to make a clip of this and send it to him. Um, but uh, I remember him saying that, you know, it just seems like all these real estate agents sort of didn't know what they wanted to do and went into real estate. Well, I mean, isn't that the case with everything? You really don't know what you want to do and then you settle somewhere. So Definitely. like, <laughs> I don't know why he said that, but I remember that now that, you know, I have my license and I was thinking about getting it when I knew him. This is why he said that. And I was like, eh, whatever. But um, it's, it's definitely a very interesting career and industry and i've only had my license since october and i'm slowly beginning to realize that (laughs) but i think uh first of all i want to talk about you know what you've done in your real estate careers i think that'd be a really good starting point so when you guys first got your licenses were you individual agents yeah 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 started out as an individual agent um, for a number of years, I was in management too for a little bit um, long ago, and then got back into sales, and then decided to start a team after mm-hmm. I was back in in sales for a few years. Mm-hmm. 
And what about? Uh, for me, I actually had either been on a team or had a team of my own uh, since day one, mm-hmm. minus maybe a six to eight week period um, when I had originally left the the team that I was with um, for the first two years of my career. So I day one, I, I wasn't even necessarily choosing which brokerage I wanted to work with. Uh, there was very much a team that I was uh, not going to let not bring me on essentially Mm -hmm. i I was aggressively going after the position that they had open and uh it was a blessing to have joined that team and not do it on my own because i was only 24 i'd been in rhode island at that point for about a year i didn't have any friends that were looking to do real estate transactions at any point in the near future and most of my friends from college they all had moved back to wherever they had been um throughout the northeast but with only a handful of them being in rhode island Mm -hmm. um so I, i had to really create everything from scratch. And the guidance that I had from that team in the very beginning was was extremely important to me. I, I do want to touch on something that you said, Max, though. I, I agree a lot of people join, get into real estate um, by accident maybe and, and mm-hmm. not knowing exactly what they want to do. And I, I do think there is a commonality between all of them, though. Yeah, yeah. They, they all know what they don't want to do. Yeah. And real estate is a path that allows them to have all to stay away from all the things they don't want yeah and it just happens to be an ecosystem that they they can then figure out what is it that they do really want while while being able to you know create what that looks like for themselves it's it's a way you know a lot of real estate podcasts talk about financial freedom right it's a way to achieve financial freedom where you're not working for anybody you know what I mean? It's a, it's it's an interesting industry because you're working in an environment that's been around for a long time, or, or this quote unquote business for a long time, right? Uh, but you don't technically have a boss. Well, isn't it interesting? Everyone that gets in, into real estate wants to get away from having a boss, and instead yeah. you have a hundred bosses that you work for each other <laughs> in, in the form of clients. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. But the good thing is, is I mean, if you don't want to work with them, you can just not work with them you know what i mean (laughs) yeah but and people also get in thinking that they have all this freedom yeah like i want that flexibility and that i want my schedule to be what i want it to be but yet as a realtor as a real estate agent if you're running a team a solo agent you have to manage your time very well and Mm -hmm. you you do have to treat it you have to put care and purpose into it and treat it otherwise you're not going to reach that financial freedom it all comes together but you also have to run it like a business from you know from the beginning too, and then it, the the sky is really the limit. Absolutely. So for all of you that are completely lost and have no idea what a real estate team is, let's get into that because there are rabbit holes in real estate that I that I'm also beginning to realize exist when it comes to the brokerages and then the teams and then all these different things that you get into. So we're all agents with Keller Williams Coastal Realty in Rhode Island which is a brokerage who partnered with Keller Williams, a national brokerage, right? And now you guys have a team. So explain what a team is at a real estate brokerage. So a a real estate business is a business just like any other business out there. Um, The easiest way, I think, uh, to give an example of, of what a real estate team is comparative to what the average person may think of as a real estate agent is looking at a doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Um, with a doctor's office, you have several different people that are all playing different role, roles, and then you may have a handful of uh, doctors that are all working within that doctor's office as well. 
typically though there there's you know one or two people that own the office themselves or the partners in the business and then you have the support staff so um, when i walk into a doctor's office i'm sitting in the waiting room and there's someone checking me in um, i have to give all of my uh, medical insurance information they're collecting everything they're checking in with the doctor about i don't know an hour and a half later i'm finally able to go into the door um, and i then have uh, one of the nurse practitioners that's helping to check my blood pressure. They're checking my height, my weight, tell me how much I gained over the last year. Uh, and then finally, I see the doctor for, you know, 10, 15 minutes uh, to bang my knee with the little hammer and, and mm -hmm. then they're out. So, uh, you know, real estate team obviously I think has a lot more, a higher level of care uh, just by nature of the amount of emotion we're dealing with and, and the type of relationships we have with our clients. Yet it, it is also really similar in the fact that, um, we have the support structure around us to allow us to focus on within our industry that 10 to 15 minute increment um you know we, we each have basically our own or our own hammer that we're banging within the real estate transaction um so being able to uh ensure that we are focusing on the the most productive uh and and highest level of responsibility items within a transaction uh, to support our clients rather than trying to do everything ourselves uh, and be everywhere and everything at once. We, we instead bring in the individuals that are able to best support us and also pick up on our weaknesses. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm not always the best person when it comes to uh, managing a timeline. And when I, during the periods of time that I have had to focus on that and I haven't had that support, was I doing it and doing it well? Yeah, absolutely. But in, in terms of a scalability of the business, um, that wouldn't have been something that would put me in my best situation for my clients to, to maximize everything for them uh, and also wouldn't have been sustainable long term if I was having to do it all. So th that's what the support of a real estate team has allowed for, for myself uh, as a business owner, for you know myself as an agent on a team prior to, to having a team of our own. Mm -hmm. uh, and then for the clients, most importantly, of being able to make sure that your, your real estate agent and advisor is focusing on the right activities um, and you have the other uh, the other people around to, to support in the, in the times that either they're not available, um, or in the avenues that they don't have to actually be doing, um, 100% themselves. Yeah. Very well said. Rhonda, would you agree with, with everything he's saying? And what made you want to switch from an individual agent to being on a team? Yeah, so I so I do. I agree with everything that, that Sam said. And, and the team just, it allows us to be able to provide our agents with support in their business, as Sam said, so then they can focus on their clients. Um, so the reason that I started a team was, um, A, I, was started, um, I started growing my sales business to the point where I needed some, I needed leverage. And, mm -hmm. a, and a team can be, it can come in many forms. A team can be yourself and one administrator that's helping you with um, paperwork or um, you know any of those administrative tasks. So that is that is where I started. I hired um, I hired um, an administrator for my team. Uh, it was myself and, and her. Um, at that time, I was at a different brokerage and I was busy. So I was partnering with some of the agents in that brokerage without being a formal team where if I had a client, I just needed some help because I was really busy, I would share some of my business and we would, we would split things. So I, mm -hmm. I started down that path without officially becoming a team. Um, in 2018, when I joined Keller Williams, that was when I launched my team. And, and honestly, the reason I went from myself and an, and an administrator to wanting a team with agents on it was because at that point in my real estate career, I really, I wanted something bigger than myself. 
So as a solo agent, it's all about you and you're doing everything. You're have, you're wearing every hat. There's not only are there only so many hours in the day, but as Sam had alluded to, at some point you're over capacity and you can't any longer service your clients to the highest level that, mm -hmm. that they should be treated because you just don't have time or you're burning or you're just burning yourself out. So I decided that I wanted a team because A, I didn't want my real estate business to only be about me. I wanted to also help other agents and bring them up and help them build their businesses. And I thought by having that team and having that support, I could help them do that. And then at the same time, we would be able to reach more clients and we'd be able to help more people because it wasn't just one person that was doing all of those things. We now had a team behind us that were all focused on the same vision and the same mission and, you know, I mean, my belief system has always been to hold our industry at its highest level and to just provide that, you know, customer service where we treat our clients like their family. So I just wanted to do that at a, at a bigger scale. And so that was the reason behind why I wanted to, to become a team versus just staying a solo agent. Absolutely. So I'm curious to hear, you know, there are what? 9,000 realtors in Rhode Island and there's 300 agents at Keller Williams Coastal now. What drew you guys together to create your team? Like how'd you guys meet and what sparked the conversation? Hey, maybe we should start a team together. <laughs> well, uh, well, so Sam and I started working together on leadership because we okay. also both were involved in Keller Williams Coastal leadership. Um, I was the team leader for two years. Sam was the productivity coach for two years. And so really, back in 18, I had met Sam when he was working on, when he was with the team that he was with. And I, we maybe saw each other in passing a couple times in North Kingstown. Um, I didn't really know him that well. I just thought he was a really nice guy. Mm -hmm. um, but really didn't have the opportunity to get to know him that well. And then back in 2020, when I took the position of team leader and Sam came on as productivity coach and we were spending time together every day through the leadership team. Uh, we just kind of got to know each other and I had so much respect for Sam and who he was and how he ran his business and what he did for the agents in our market center. He's an amazing coach and mentor. Uh, and so every once in a while we would just get together and talk about our teams because we were both in leadership. We were both trying to maintain our business and our teams and we were trying to navigate that system not being it back in like doing real estate 100% of the time because we were focused on the market center as well and we would just like brainstorm together a mastermind together about like what are you doing what are you doing like how can we you know can we help each other out can we like you know be be a resource for each other and I think after three or four conversations we were I think the light bulb went off where we were like hey, you know maybe we should be talking about what it looks like just for us to like truly partner up and so then we headed, we went down that path. And at the end of the day, we thought it was a, a really, uh, we thought it was a really good idea. Now, mm -hmm. jumping into my mind, I, I thought I was a genius over there. I, <laughs> at, asking Rhonda, um, you, you know, Rhonda's mentioning three or four conversations with the light bulb clicked. Um, I was over there scheming and trying to, <laughs> I, I knew Rhonda, no, Rhonda really needed like boots on the ground for, for her sales business. And um, she didn't have any agents working alongside of her. She had an operations uh, director and uh, who, who's still with us, Shelly. And um, I proposed the idea of Rhonda running all of her sales through my team. Um, again, thinking I was a genius and I, I just picked up <laughs> 40 transactions a year by, by bringing that um, concept to Rhonda. 
And a week later, Rhonda comes back and says, yeah, we should look at partnering. I'm like, what, what are you talking about, partner? No, I, I want your business. Give your business to me. Um, so, yes, then from there, and we previously had always been collaborating and absolutely working, working closely together on leadership and um, being able to bounce ideas off of each other for our, at the time, separate sales businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, I just, I, I came up with the idea of asking that question of servicing her business. And then she threw me the curveball, um, and my knees dec- definitely buckled as, as a baseball player would, um, with curveball coming right at your head. So, uh, it ended up being a great decision. And I knew that within maybe at the very most two weeks of, of us formally having partnered together, mm-hmm. um, probably really prior to our, even our financial partnership launching, um, they took maybe about a month to get all the pieces in order on the back end to make sure that the structure was all there. Um, but within those first two weeks of putting the structure together, I, I knew it was definitely the right decision. It did take some time for me to let my ego down a little bit um, because I, I thought I just picked up all this business for myself. And <laughs> now all of a sudden I have a 50-50 partner, but it, it, it's absolutely been a blessing. Isn't that the way that's like, it's like the, it's the typical, um, you know, female version, male version of how like a relationship, how a relationship starts. I'm like, oh, you know, Sam and I just decided that we should be great partners. And Sam's like, I just kind of wanted her, wanted her business. And then you know, she asked me to be her partner. Yeah. It's like the typical story. Yeah. Could you explain the, the process of creating a team like on the back end and, uh, and sort of how that whole process works i'm curious to hear that do you mean in terms of um that that month period that we were creating the, the structure yeah so like leading up so to that? so like yeah i mean when i created my 3d printing business you know i had to incorporate the business i set up a web like all that all that stuff like so what did you guys do like what were the pieces you had to put together to create this Good team question. that's a great question I think it's probably pretty similar. We yeah. we have an LLC, Alpern and Messenburg LLC. Yep. Um, our licenses had already been with Keller Williams Coastal. We did have to figure out what the name was going to be because previously... Um, Whose name goes first? Well, I, <laughs> you know, I, I've actually been thinking about this lately. I don't I don't know exactly why, but this, this whole thing has popped in my head within the last couple of weeks. Um, I never want to come across ego driven. I know I mentioned ego in terms of approaching Rhonda about running her business through through mine, but I, I never I think Rhonda maybe whether it be subconscious or, or not, uh, she must have picked up on the fact that I wouldn't put my name first. And I always I told Rhonda I thought Messenborg and Alprin just sounded weird. It sounded weird having my last name, you know, ending what the the name would be. So I was I was lost. I was trying to come up with what what could be another name because I'm not going to go walk up to someone and say, hey, my name should be first. And then so I, I tell Rhonda, Messenborg and Alpern sound strange to me. And she's like, what about Alpern and Messenborg? So then, you know, it must have clicked like, oh, oh, yeah, that, that sounds good. But I, I never would have said my name first. So, you know, that, that's one of the many things that we needed to do. But it was, it was really making sure that the, the legal structure was there. We have a partnership agreement that says, you know, if, if we were to uh, part ways, how, how the business would then be um, separated between the two of us. Um, I mentioned having the LLC. We have a bank account together. Uh, our databases had to be merged with one another. We had to look at the, the way that we were approaching the client experience. Um, we had to merge our two organizations themselves in terms of the people together. So uh, Rhonda had Shelly on the operation side, and then I had Brendan and Jess 
on the agent side. Um, so, you know, we, it, it worked really well because now as a unit, we had the five of us uh, with, you know, four of us on the sales end, one of those two other sales agents between the, uh, besides the two of us being listing focused, the other being buyer focused, and then Shelly to really run everything on the back end in terms of um, transaction coordination, making sure everything goes smoothly for our clients. So it, it was just getting some of the, the details of, of everything together. Yeah. What would you guys say that your biggest hurdle was when you were creating the team to get over? Hmm. Your biggest challenge? I, you know, I think it was, and I, and I don't think it was like a challenge where we had to like try to come together. I think it was a challenge of we've had so many, we had so many ideas in our brain of what, what we wanted to do and we could see the vision of our team and where we were going and I think it was just sorry just make sure you're closer to the mic yeah yeah sorry about Um, that I think that it was just it was getting those ideas out of our brains and onto paper and then systematically going through them and not trying to do everything all all at once because Mm -hmm. there were there were so many things that we wanted to do and we had such great ideas and we had ways we wanted to treat our clients and what we wanted to do for our clients and what we wanted to do for our agents not not just our clients but for our agents as well and then it was like, okay, well, how do we accomplish all of these things? Um, because it because it was a lot. So I, I mean, for me, I think that was probably one of our biggest challenges was just figuring out what are those systems, what do they look like, and how do we get them? How do we implement them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and you know, we're a year and a half almost into this partnership, and there there's still some of those challenges, you know, each day, and and making sure that we're not trying to take on too much at once, um, and that we are communicating everything effectively, making sure that what's in our head is actually happening on a day-to-day basis uh, and having it be something that's uh, replicable, scalable. Uh, that way, as we're having one client refer us somebody else within you know, within their network, uh, they are expecting a certain type of experience to be delivered and we need to make sure that we are delivering on mm-hmm. that. I, I don't want the experience that someone decided to refer someone else to uh, to then look completely different. And if it does, it's only because we've made it worlds better at that point. So mm-hmm. that that's going to be, you know, forever for the entirety of, of our business, something that's ongoing because we, we do want to push the envelope of what the, what the level of service looks like and, and value that you're receiving from a real estate agent. And like Rhonda mentioned, being able to uplift the, the perception of the community as a whole, because it, it's not strong to be honest that you mentioned max that there's about 9,000 real estate agents in Rhode Island. There's only about a million people that even live here in the first place. That's mm-hmm. almost, you know, one out of every 1000 people is a real estate agent and mm-hmm. out of those, out of those 1 million, how many of them are, you know, less Active. than 18 years old, Yeah, either above 80 or less yeah. than 18. How, how many of them are really even in the workforce yet? Yeah. Um, so we, we want to make sure that we're able to really stand head and shoulders uh, above what that thought is of the average person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a that's an ongoing development and and battle that, that everyone uh, you know that approaches the business that way is going through. Yeah, interesting. And and I want to talk about you know get on a more technical side of of like your customer customer relationship management. I always struggle to say that for some reason because <laughs> I'm so used to saying CRM. But yeah. for people that don't understand what CRM is, it's customer relationship management system. All right. So how how do you guys get leads? And then what's your process from turning that lead into a potential, you know, buyer's client or a listing? I'm curious to hear how you guys sort of manage that. 
Yeah, I mean, leads can come from a variety of places. So mm-hmm. typically an agent will pick their maybe top three to five lead sources, like have three really strong ones where they're going to focus what are those most for you of their guys? time. So for us, um, our lead sources are our sphere. First and foremost, everybody's database should be your first and foremost um, way for you to get leads. So mm-hmm. anybody in your contacts already, in your database already, who you're connected with on social media, those are people who already know and love you. So they're not they're not cold contacts. Those are warm and fuzzy contacts. It's just a matter, you know, sometimes agents, we don't do a good job at just letting people know we're here and that we're, we want to help them. Because it happens to all of us where you find out that one of your very close friends used somebody else to purchase their house and they, because you just weren't top of mind. And it wasn't, you might have told them a hundred times that you were a real estate agent and talked about it. But mm-hmm. in the in the moment, in that emotional moment when they were ready to do something, you just were not top of mind for them. So our database is our number one source. And that's something agents should be reaching out to on a regular basis to touch base with people that they know, people that are family, friends, people on social media with them just to... Um, to remind them that they're they're there and to be top of mind when they're in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, then from there, um, some of our agents love calling expired listings for sale by owner listings. Those are people who recently have had their home on the market or for, for sale by owners have their home on the market. So they're people who have their hand raised that they actually want to sell their home. Um, and they might need some assistance. Maybe the house didn't sell in the case of an, of an expired. So maybe it didn't sell for a variety of reasons. Maybe it wasn't priced right, or maybe the marketing strategy wasn't right. So an, an agent loves calling on those folks to just offer a new perspective to them if they're still interested in getting their home sold and get mm-hmm. them to their next place. Um, for sale by owner, sometimes you know they. It sounds easy to sell your house on your own. It's not. It's really not. And sometimes they just they just need some guidance. Mm-hmm. So and then some agents love door knocking. They'd like to be face to face, and just out there knocking on doors, leaving some leave behinds for for people. Uh, there's events you can do things through events. Um, it's just getting yourself known and out there, and letting people know that you're ready to help them when when the time is right for them to buy, sell, or invest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, for me, like starting my businesses, uh, you know, in-person networking has been the yeah. most effective strategy. Uh, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, like online marketing, you should always have online marketing and, and it's it's pr- probably close to like a 50-50 split for me in terms of that. But getting my business started, you know, you always want to go just meet people in the area, you know. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know when you're getting started. Definitely. And and then, you know, once you talk to those people, and that's why I started this podcast, you know, was to talk to people that have all this knowledge and, and knowledge is power, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, just talk to them and, and hear their life experiences and learn from them, you know, because the more you know, the better. And then, you know, it's funny is the past few weeks, the saying that has came up the most is you don't know what you don't know. Right. Which sounds stupid, like on the surface, like sounds like a dumb saying on the surface. But when you really actually think about it, you truly don't know what you don't know. Right. It's a simple saying, but it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. You know what I mean? So from my perspective, yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. You know, your sphere, the people that you already know, that's your most important, you know, circle to keep in touch with and always communicate. And that's where you'll get most of your business, I think. Um, But, you know, you shouldn't. Just because you're having success and that and a lot of people do this, I feel you're having success using one tactic and then you drop the ball on the other ones. Right. So eventually when that dries out and it will, 
or, or you get business over six months and then you won't get business again for another six months or eight months or whatever. So what are you going to do for those six months? Well, you should have been, you know, not putting all your, your time and money into those other resources like online Google ads or, or Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. You should have been, you know, putting small amounts into it just so that it's existing. And then once it's time to maybe put a little bit more resources into it, you know what I mean? sort of curate it like that. So what if, I guess that sort of leads into my next question is what have you guys been doing on the online aspect of your business? How have you guys been marketing your team in that aspect, you know, on the online portion? So we brought Max, uh, my, my brother over Great uh, name. To, to join us. Shout out to Max. Yeah. He's just sitting here over behind the camera <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. Behind the camera. Uh, he <laughs> joined us June of last year and probably around September or so started to spearhead everything for us on the social media aspect of, of our business, uh, mainly video to, that's something that we're really making a push for mm -hmm. in 2023 to keep us in front of the community and also just be able to offer true value, uh, to the consumer, whether they end up using that information with us or if they utilize that with somebody else, uh, that they have a relationship with, that doesn't matter as much to us. It's more, more so about being able to put the information out there that they then can utilize with whoever it may be. Uh, so Max has, has been there for us specifically within social media. Uh, other things digital related, we just moved over to a new CRM system uh, called Brivity. And Brivity is basically an all-in-one solution for our real estate business mm -hmm. uh, to include CRM and also something uh, such as our website uh, being able to market to our current database of relationships, being able to bring in new relationships and drive traffic to our website, drive traffic to our listings that we have to be able to create up new, new buyer opportunities uh, for our sellers, be able to create seller opportunities for our buyers of, you know, targeting specific areas to, uh, to showcase that we have clients that are looking for a certain property that maybe doesn't exist right now on the multiple listing service. So uh, Brivity has been a huge tool for us that we adopted within the last two months uh, and are constantly learning more and more about each day. Uh, but it, it really is allowing us to broaden the horizons of what we can do digitally, uh, whether that be through social media or just you know through our website and, and being able to have the the advantages of, of some of those major search engines that are out there that people would typically think of. Uh, now outprintofmessenborg.com has all of those same advantages. We have, mm -hmm. we have an app that people can look at homes through. Um, and the, the best thing about it is that we are able to communicate directly with our clients. So, you know, some of those other search engines, when someone puts in an inquiry for a property, they're just getting some random person when, uh, and that doesn't mean not a real estate agent. Sometimes it isn't a real estate agent to begin with, but it, it doesn't mean that it's, you know, someone that doesn't know the business. Uh, however, it's not necessarily someone that they want to be working with. It's not someone that they're already working with. So for us, um, you know, through uh, adopting Brivity is allowing our clients to uh, look at properties all through New England, you know, any, any of the areas that we may be working with them. And if they have a question on a property or if they want to schedule a showing, they're able to communicate directly with us through our app, through our website, and everything is with their agent, whether it be myself mm -hmm. or Rhonda or one of the other agents on our team. Uh, everything is, is really personalized to that individual, which makes the, the whole transaction and search process a lot more streamlined. Uh, for for the end user along with us, you know now we started sending out market reports that every single month Our clients are going to just be able to stay up to date 
on what's happening within their neighborhood uh, and be able to market, uh, keep an, a, a pulse on, on the market and, and what the uh, rough range of value may be for their property so they can always gauge what their equity is in the home, mm-hmm. um, especially from a wealth build- building perspective. I know, I know for me and, and Rhonda, that's something we're really passionate about is being able to help people build wealth through real estate and uh, just being able to keep an idea of what is my home worth um, without always having to you know, look on third-party sites or having to have a conversation with somebody every single month about it. They're able to just stay up to date and have a, have a rough you know, guesstimate on, on what it's looking like based on homes around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are things now that are able to happen on an everyday basis. And just like with the with our app and our website, if they have questions after the market report, they're able to, direct, to speak directly to us um, and, you know, it just makes for a much more streamlined experience for, for us as agents and for the, the consumer as a client. Yeah. So I was just thinking of this, you know, I, I want to educate listeners who maybe aren't realtors who are really unsure about the process of buying a house or selling their house. I really just want to, let's, let's just get down to the basics, right? So let's start off, let's say you're looking to buy a house, right? Let's say they're not, they're living in an apartment right now and they want to go buy a house and start a family, whatever. So I, I obviously I haven't been through that process yet personally, still looking for that first deal to get, get done. But obviously you guys have done a lot of deals over the years. So f- explain, you know, if somebody's looking to buy a house, what the process is Let's start from the very beginning. Whoever well, wants to. So the first thing that they should do if, for anyone that is looking um, to buy a home is talk to a lender. So that way you know how much how much home you can afford and you know what payment you're comfortable with. Um, because as a realtor, um, we want to make sure that we're showing you homes that are um, that are going to be realistic for you to purchase, right? So we want to make sure we want to work with your lender. Um, we we all become a, a team together to get that buyer from. Um, the starting line to the finish line. So by by having a conversation with a lender, they'll know what their buying power is. They'll know what what their um, comfortable payment is because they may be pre-approved at a higher level, but they don't want to pay that monthly payment. So we mm-hmm. want to make sure that that what they what they're comfortable paying is that's the range that we're looking in. And so once they do that, then we can sit down with them and talk with them about what they're looking for, where they want to be, what's important to them in in a new home, what maybe is it what like what are the what are the things like the must-haves and then what are things that are nice to have but if the house doesn't have it it's okay so we want to have a long conversation with them and ask them lots of questions so we understand exactly what they're looking for what their time frame is um, and how we can best help them and then from there we're going to start building up a search and start suggesting homes that they can look at if they find something as sam said through our website through our app they can reach out to us um, make sure we get them in there. When the time comes, they find the house that they want to put an offer in. Um, our team will handle all of that paperwork for them. So we will sit down, go over the forms, make sure they understand them. We'll help them fill them out. We'll guide them through that entire process. We'll negotiate for their best interest on their behalf um, with the other agent if there's a listing agent on the other side. And then once they're under contract, we're going to guide them through inspections and through their title search and through all of the components that go into buying a home. But we're going to be there every step of the way. So that way, we're just going to chunk it down. And mm-hmm. we're just going to be there to provide guidance, to um, serve their best interest, and just give them data about you know things. every transaction, things come up. And so 
I always say to my clients, I know Sam's the same way that, you know what, things are going to come up and we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to decide what the best thing for you to do is. And then we're, if it's just a little speed bump, we're going to step over it. If we need to go in a different direction, we're going to, we're going to be here to do that too. Mm -hmm. And then after closing, we still don't go away. They still can't get rid of us because (laughs) then we're going to be there to check in on them and make sure everything's okay with the house and find out if there's, if they have any, if they need a contractor, we're going to be there to refer somebody to them Mm -hmm. um, and be there with them throughout that home journey. And then down the road, maybe they things change and they need to move or they want a bigger house or they want a smaller house and we're going to be there. It's, it's a lifelong relationship yeah. from start to finish. And, and it, it's really that relationship piece that Rhonda mentioned. Uh, you know, I know that she had stated that we, you can't get rid of us. The, the, the reason for that is, is not because we're going to be like a, a gnat that's constantly following you around. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's because we do really focus on the relationship. Uh, and it, it's not just real estate. It's not just sales or rentals or uh, investments. It, it's, about their you know whole living situation and, and life overall and helping to support them them being able to do that in a beautiful way whatever beautiful might be to to each of the individuals um, you know as as an example one of the things that we're doing right now that just started beginning of January uh, for any of our clients is uh, every Friday uh, through the next four or five months we have a reservation at one of the um, you know, easiest to book up restaurants in, in all of Rhode Island, Matunic Oyster Bar. And anyone, any of our clients that wants our reservation, 6.30 Friday nights, they're able to reach out to us. We pay $50 towards their meal. Um, and, you know, it's just a way to be able to say thank you for, for everything, for them helping to, to grow our business and all of the, the support that they've given back to us. Um, you know, really just being able to, to be there in, in ways that are not just a real estate transaction because most people oftentimes don't even remember the name of the real estate agent that they had worked with a, a few years after the transaction happens because they haven't heard from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we're looking to do is be able to, you know, constantly be offering value uh, and guidance within their world, whether it's real estate related or beyond. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a, a common like misconception, I feel just talking to people, uh, it's fine. That will make a bunch of noises. Sure? Yeah, it's fine. Um, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like something that happens a lot, I'm dealing with, I'm not dealing, I'm working with a buyer right now um, who thinks that, you know, they can just go buy a house, right? You just look at it. You like it. Just buy it. It's that, it's that easy, man. Like there's nothing to it. And I feel like lack of like education, people think that they just go on, on Zillow or Keller Williams website and just look at houses and they go look at it and they buy it. It's, it's not that easy. You know, like there's a lot of different variables. You know, it's not like when you're buying a car, like sure, the brakes might need, you know, new brakes on the car, but like that's not like there being a lean on a house. Or, well, <laughs> you, you, know, know, you know, one of the things about real estate and th- this is why we care so much about uplifting the perspective and perception of real estate agents mm-hmm. out there in the world. Many people view real estate agents similar to like the typical thought of a used car salesman, the difference between cars and and homes is that a car, you can go buy that same car from a different dealership. Mm-hmm. If I, I have a Hyundai Tucson, if I want to go buy a Hyundai Tucson, Hyundai's I, are great. I can go to, to any number of different car dealerships throughout all of New England. I go drive an hour. I did drive an hour to pick up my car from Connecticut, and I live in southern th- Southern Rhode Island. I did that because I got the best deal for that same exact car, the mm-hmm. color, the, the model, the make that I wanted. 
uh, I can't do that with a house. If I want to live in downtown Wakefield and I want to have a colonial um, home that has at least 14, 1500 square feet, um, has a nice yard, has you know three plus bedrooms and uh, and two bathrooms, I can't just do that anywhere. I have to do that in downtown Wakefield with a colonial that has at least three bedrooms and two mm-hmm. bathrooms with a nice yard. I can't go do that over in Richmond because I don't want to be in Richmond. Cars is, is so much different. I can go find that car anywhere. Yeah. Uh, that houses though, I can't go buy the house next door and have it be the exact same house. I started learning when I was looking at properties for myself how much of a factor lighting is mm. when it comes to to a property. Where does the backyard face? Where does the kitchen face? Where's your bedroom facing for the light? And I must have looked at at least fifty different properties, and we found the house that ha- that met. Not all of our criteria, but all of the critical pieces mm-hmm. of our criteria. And the things that it didn't hit, we either could change or live without over time. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with a car. I mean, yeah. even with a car, if I want a Hyundai Tucson and I decide I'm going to get a, a, you know, a Nissan Rogue instead, it's still really similar. But you can't do that with properties. And yeah. that, that's why there, there's so many more intricacies that happen within a real estate transaction and within just the whole process of this is where I'm going to raise my family or this is where I'm going to be laying my head each night. Uh, it, it's a much, much different process. And uh, you, you have to treat it as such yeah. in, in many ways. Yeah. You know, I'm curious to hear that, you know, so a realtor looking for a house. Did you ever find yourself when you were house searching, you know, acting like, you know, a buyer, like did you, you yourself remind me of a buyer. Okay. Let me start over. (laughs) Did, did you remind yourself of a buyer that you worked with when you were going to look at a house and I'm like, and you're like, Oh, why did I just say that? I'm acting (laughs) like, I'm acting like the buyer that I was complaining about working with. To (laughs) to be honest, Max, I was my first buyer client, my, my fiance and I, and I was probably my worst buyer client. Uh, (laughs) Reason for that is because we looked at so many homes. Yeah, um, We knew that we wanted to be in Southern Rhode Island. Uh, we had been living in West Warwick at the time, and we, we wanted to be closer to the beach. And we, mm-hmm. we felt that we wanted to live around downtown Wakefield, walking distance to Main Street. However, we were looking at properties uh, in Richmond, in Westerly, in Newport. It, we just we started looking all over Southern Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And it took us a while to figure out that we wanted to be in one very specific area that has incredibly low inventory and that Mm -hmm. there's maybe one house each month if if we're lucky that hits the market that has 50 other people that are looking for that same property so uh i I was definitely in hindsight my worst buyer client because i made myself look at so many different homes now the the advantage for me uh, because i was not my first client I, i had done many um listings for for sellers at that point the main advantage for me is i looked at every single property in Southern Rhode Island that was between at that time probably two hundred and five hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. and I didn't only look at it I walked inside of it and I ran comps because I was I was getting so frustrated that we weren't finding something after five and a half months of searching that I was running comps on every single property that hit the market to see is there something that I'm missing here is this maybe a good value and we should just bite the bullet so I I firmly believe that I knew that market better than anyone else because I was in every single one of those homes. I, I ran the numbers on every one of those homes. I studied each and every one of those homes because mm-hmm. I was trying to make it work for myself and it just wasn't. And then when the time came that I saw something and knew, in my opinion, it was priced about $25,000 too low. It was in the exact location that we wanted to be in. And I knew there were gonna be other people that were going to be hungry for it. Um, the property hit the market at about 12 o'clock. I was in there by five. 
uh, and by eight o'clock we had a verbal agreement on the property. <laughs> so I, I told Maria that, listen, we, we can go home, but if we wake up tomorrow and we don't have this under contract, someone else is going to buy it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I know in, at the time she felt she doesn't like pressure and there was way too much urgency <laughs> yeah. for her. She got you know pretty frustrated with me at the time, but I was definitely right. And we, we were able to buy that house at a very good price. Um, quite honestly, pretty under our original budget, um, and have done extremely well and, and been fortunate with, you know, how much the market has appreciated over the last four and a half, five years as we've owned it. But I, I was a pain in the ass to have as a client <laughs> and Maria, so were you, um, <laughs> but it, it, it was very fortunate. And I, I think it had, al- it forced me and allowed me to grow so much that I've, I've been such a better real estate agent and advisor for every other client thereafter, whether it be a buyer or a seller, mm-hmm. because I knew how to study the market, in my opinion, better than anyone else that was at least within my time frame and experience level in the business. Interesting. All right. Great. So so let's talk about, you know, you're looking to sell your house, right? You lived there for 20 years and you want to move to New Hampshire and get away from Rhode Island, but eventually move back like you said everybody does. <laughs> so explain the process of selling your property, you know, for the listeners, whoever wants to go. Um, well, so now you're now you're getting ready to sell your home, mm-hmm. right? So really the first thing that you should do is, is reach out to your realtor um, and, talk, and have a conversation with them because you want to find out what the, what your current market value is. And also your realtor wants to sit down and have a conversation with you again. So that way we know best how to help you. So we want to know about your time frame. We want to know where you're going so we can help you on that side as well. Because if you are selling your home and you're buying your next home, it is an orchestration that has to happen among the two sides. So we want to make sure we understand all of the parameters that are going into. It's not just about selling your home because you're, you know, especially if you've been in your home for a number of years, even if you've only been in your home for a couple of years, you've made that home, you've transformed that home into your space. And there's a lot that goes into packing that up and, you know, getting it moved to the next location where, wherever that may be. So we just want to sit down and make sure that, A, you understand the process from beginning to end and that you're ready for it and that we know best how to help you. So do you need, do you need staging help? Do you need... Um, you need you know a junk removal service so that way we can just kind of get some stuff out of you out of your house are there some repairs you should make before you put your home on the market so that way we can get you the most value out of out of your house so that conversation starts with your real estate agent for them to sit down and really understand what you're doing why you're doing it and then we can talk with you about the process of how we're going to help you do that and then once you have that conversation then then the pieces just fall into place. If we need to help get a stager out there, if we need to have a junk removal person come in there, now we can just start scheduling scheduling things. If you need to make some repairs, again, we can connect you to a contractor. And then once you're ready, we're going to take care of paperwork. We're going to take a beautiful, um, you know, we're going to take beautiful photographs with a professional um, photographer um, for your property. We don't you don't want your agent showing up with their iPhone to take the pictures. You really you want to hire a professional photographer who can show your home as sam said light is so important who can show your home in that best light mm-hmm. and then we're going to put up we're going to get it listed um max who you know does art for us for our team if you're working with us um, we're going to make sure we have a whole marketing campaign for you to make sure that we 
get your home in front of as many eyes as possible. We just need, we need one buyer, but we want to expose it to as many buyers as possible so we can find the right one who is going to step forward and raise their hand and put an offer in, you know, on your home. And then again, we're going to be with you every step of the way through the whole transaction. Um, and once it ends, we're not, again, we're not going to go anywhere. We're going to check in with you and make sure everything's okay in your new home and see what else you need along the way and how we can help you because we want to stay in relationship mm -hmm. with you. What do you guys think the biggest misconceptions are from, you know, buying a house to selling? Like when, if you're looking for a house and then if you want to buy a house, like what, or sell a house, excuse me, uh, what do you think the biggest misconceptions are? I'd say for buyers, uh, especially the last four or five years is the the thought process of getting a deal mm -hmm. you know if you're buying something off the market yeah maybe, maybe you can get a deal uh, but oftentimes as a buyer especially the last two years getting a deal means that you actually got the house that you wanted it, it mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you got it for below market value once the property's on mls unless the listing agent which some of them have unfortunately is terrible at marketing the property and and doesn't show it very well at all you know visually online or in person, uh, you're not going to get something below market value. There's just not enough inventory out there comparative to the number of buyers. Even right now with you know interest rates being higher than they had been the last couple of years, uh, there's still more buyer activity than there is listing inventory out there. And the, the thought of a buyer being able to get a home for below market value or you know trying to negotiate every little thing, it, it's just not a reality. And the, the deal is, is not winning of an in a negotiation winning is that you got the home that you wanted to be living in mm -hmm. uh, and, and that or that you wanted to have as an investment property whatever your end use might be but winning and getting a deal is, is that is that you got the property and you got it for terms that you really feel comfortable with in a time frame that you feel comfortable with and, and a level of stress um, that you did not overexert yourself uh, it, it's it's not about being able to get something for less than what it's worth because it's just not going to happen right now or if it does you're going to be spinning your wheels for not just months, but probably years at this point to be able to make that happen. Mm -hmm. What about on the selling side? I would, you know, I would say the biggest misconception for sellers might be that it's just easy to sell your house on, on your own. Mm. Right? I mean, they think that, um, you know, I can, I can just put it up and be a for sale by owner and that it's just, it's an easy process and I can do it and not, you know, be able to, you know, maybe put some more money in my pocket. Um, and they don't re always realize really all of those moving parts that go into it and just making sure that all of those I's are dotted, all of those T's are crossed. Um, it's, a, it's a big process. And it's a big deal, right? We're dealing with legal contracts. We're yeah. dealing with, you know, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not something to be, to be taken lightly. And there's a lot of rules and laws that we all have to abide by. Um, and I think a lot of sellers don't, they don't realize, I think it's as simple as just putting their house out there and taking offers on it. And if, if it's not them doing it themselves, that they, you know, just view it that any real estate agent is doing the same thing. Uh, I, I think that's a huge problem with, within our industry for the agents themselves, not, not even just for the, the clients. It's really about the agents that they're not, they're not doing enough for mm -hmm. their clients yeah. that, you know, the commissions, I'm, I'm not going to get into percentages at all, but you know, when you look at a, a commission, you, you have to figure out, are they... It's not about saving you money as a seller. It, it's about being able to net you the most amount of money possible. You don't care, Max, if you pay me 
15% to sell your house. If you end up walking away with uh, more money in your pocket in your bank account than someone else that said they're going to do it for 3%, you know, total would do for you. you. You don't care how much I saved you. You care much about how much you, you netted and, and uh, along with the time frame and the energy that, that went into it. So, you know, I think really being able to vet those individuals that you'd be working with um, on the agent side is, is hugely important because, you know, especially the last few years, it's been so easy to just throw a house on the market and yeah. not do anything mm-hmm. and think that, oh, it, you know, it sold for 10% above asking or we, we got it under contract within the first 72 hours. So the person must have done a great job. Most real estate agents, as listing agents, unfortunately, do what we refer to as the three P's. You, you put the property on MLS, you place a sign in the yard and you sit there and pray that somebody else is going to sell the home. What, what we focus on it, uh, is really being able to create buyer opportunities that would not exist for you if you didn't work with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that comes in a variety of different ways. I, I, you know, I don't necessarily need to get into all that right now, but you know, even something as simple as the photos, Rhonda mentioned about professional photography. I don't view professional professional photography as a value proposition because I think it's such a low bar to set. However, Max, I'm not going to say the address just so people aren't, I don't want to be here bashing another agent. Max, look at our our most recent Providence listing that just went up and look at the previous photos. I was shocked. It looked like a completely different house. And I think we're going to sell it for probably $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 more than the previous agent had. And our commission is higher and mm-hmm. they're going to net a lot more money because we're, we're getting more buyer activity just by hitting that very base level. So that, again, I don't, I don't view that as value because I think it's a disservice to do anything less than that. Um, however, you, you wouldn't believe how many people are out there that sell a good number of homes each year and are missing the mark for their clients uh, or the client is doing themselves a disservice by thinking, you know, about saving the money rather than hiring the best professional that's going to net them the most at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Yeah, there's a there's a like Rhonda said, there's a lot of moving parts that go into selling your house. I think I heard, I think it was at um, the the class you guys had earlier this week on Tuesday or Wednesday. No, I don't know. Earlier this week, <laughs> um, about you know starting a team and there's a hundred and fifty point checklist. You know, if you're listing a house that you have to go through, you know, and that's not something that. You know, I'm sure there's definitely people that exist out there that can sell their house, you know, by themselves. They exist. They've done you know, it. past realtors or or, or, or contractors. That I, I met a contractor who has 30 properties, right? And he's built houses and kept them and rented them out and then sold them. And he knows what he's doing. And, and that's okay, yeah. you know. But for for most people, like I've, I've been cold calling for sell by owners and they just they the biggest thing is is that they always say i don't want to pay the commission and like you guys said you know well okay you might not pay that commission but you're not going to get as much for the house right because you go up there and you try to sell your house and you put six photos of a 1500 square foot house and you make the house look like it's 300 square feet you know what I mean? Like, like you said, like the pictures, like it makes the house look different. You know, like, like when I went and talked to somebody and I looked at the pictures on Zillow and then I went to the actual property, I'm like, it's a different house. Like, like, like you can't get a feel for the layout and, 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 you know, the pictures, I mean, 
you know, you're right. It's good to have that standard, but like, that's the biggest thing is the marketing and the pictures and you, yeah. you just don't get a feel for the house and that will dissuade a lot of potential buyers. Well, most buyers start their, they start their search online. So yeah. They're look, the, the first thing they're seeing is what your, what your home's presence online is. That's Absolutely. how they're making the decision. Even if they're going to make the phone call to go and schedule a showing to mm-hmm. go look at it in person. So, it, you know, and you want to make sure it looks, um, you don't want your photos to be, you know, over-exaggerating what's there, but you want them to show the features yeah. of the home that are there that are going to draw the buyers to to your home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you need to do that with a professional. Let everybody should do what they are, what they are an expert in that field. And Absolutely. Well, and let's also look at all the costs that are affiliated with selling a home, uh, especially on your own, that don't show up on a closing disclosure. Uh, when you are doing for sale by owner, having to take time off work or you're taking yeah. uh you know sick days or vacation days whatever it might be you're you're having to step away from whatever your day-to-day is um that may then be costing you money in that field mm-hmm. and it at the very least it's costing you the monetary value of that time off uh because you know that's valuable in, in more of a corporate setting you might only have two weeks off a year if you're having to spend those two weeks showing your house instead you may have wanted to gain experiences of a certain vacation or you know just time time away with your your by yourself or with your family that you won't now have access to or if you know you have maybe you're you're not taking any time off and you're telling everybody that you can only show it on the weekend well what about the buyers that only could look during the week and they only could look during the day and maybe you were doing evens but they had to do the day or you have a, a buyer that wanted to get into your property and you said you we can't show the the property until after 5.30 p.m. And we can do any night um, and any weekend, but only after 5.30 mm-hmm. uh, if it's during the week. Well, And now that buyer went into one of your neighbor's homes and they went there at 11.30 this morning and they never even walked in your door because you didn't get them in there in time. That doesn't happen when you're working with a real estate agent. Now, you, you might not be paying whatever percentage on a commission to, the listing, to a listing agent or maybe even sometimes to a buyer's agent, but there has to be a level of, of security there for you that you're now missing out on uh, if it's not just the security, it's you know other financial incentives or the stress of it all. Even the fact that when I'm a, a buyer, uh, I don't even necessarily even like as a, when I'm a buyer, when the listing agent is showing me around the home. I, I like when they're around to answer questions, but I don't want to walk into that homeowner's house. I want to walk into my house. Mm. It's, it's just that I don't own it yet. And when I have the seller telling me everything about all their memories and they did, you know, this and that and X, Y, Z to, to the property and they've lived there for, you know, however many years and yeah. so proud of themselves for fi- fixing a, a leak in the sink two years ago, I'm not seeing my home. I'm seeing their mm-hmm. home. I'm mm-hmm. seeing their memories. And it, it can be really overbearing and, and just make it that I I could have fallen in love with that property if I was allowed the distance and the, and the neutrality to have that type of experience when walking in the door. And if... if either your agent or you yourself as your representative are not creating that environment for the the other party, then it's not possible. And that is yeah. costing you money, wh- whether you look at it as the, as the form of a commission or not. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I want to shift into, you know, the whole market. You know, I want to hear your guys' analysis on the current real estate market. I know it's a really broad statement, <laughs> but, uh, you know, things are changing. The economy is changing. Uh, you know, what is your guys' take on the current real estate market? Rhonda, if you want, I guess go first. Yeah, so as we all know, the market is a little bit different than it was a few months ago, right? Yep. So 
just looking even so inventory was low even up to a few months ago inventory is still down so we're still in a very low inventory market there's not a lot on the market there's not a lot coming on the market right now we're also in the dead of winter so hopefully as we head towards spring that's going to loosen up a little but if we're talking about the market of today mm -hmm. um, we're still dealing with very very low inventory right now um, interest rates are still they're fluctuating a little bit. I just got some rates today, and they were at 5.75 for a 30-year fixed. Um, you know, there's some good loan programs out there. They just announced, right, our Rhode Island Housing just announced the $17,500 um, incentive that they're offering to first-time homebuyers. So that's really exciting. I just had one of our first-time home homebuyers under contract today be able to shift their, their mortgage into using that program. So they're going to get that money, and it's money they don't have to pay back, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. So that's going on in the market right now. And, you know, now we're also dealing with home prices that, you know, they're not, home prices have not taken a, a crash down or have fallen yet. They're starting to maybe just level off a little bit. Though some, some markets, some price points, there's still multiple offers on homes and they're still selling over asking. Other homes are sitting on the market a little longer. We're seeing days on market go up. Mm -hmm. I think for... For me, the market the market happens around us. The market that you know we you, as agents we don't have any control over the market. We don't have any control over interest rates. We don't have any control over over the market per se. We can talk to our clients about bringing inventory onto the market, right? We could do our part in talking to people when they're ready to sell and get them to bring some inventory. We can control opportunities for our buyers by maybe finding off market um, listings for them working our you know circle prospect uh, prospecting working our sphere so there's certain things in the market that as agents we can control there's certain there's certain things that we can't so as we navigate through this market as agents we have to really just look at the things that we can control and take stock and understand what's going on in the market so again we can advise our clients and say this is where interest rates are are at the moment connect them with the lender so then that way the lender can tell them specifically what that means for them mm -hmm. and then in the meantime if it is their time to sell then that is our job is to sell their home and to make sure that we could get their home on the market market it in the best light get the most um, net dollars for them if they're a buyer our job is to help them find a home and turn leave no stone unturned to help them in that process Absolutely. Yeah, great. Well, uh, it, it is going a little over an hour now. So I want to start finishing up with this final question and you both can answer it individually. So I end every podcast with this question. Uh, if you could leave one piece of advice to the listener, what would that piece of advice be? Uh, Ron, if you want to go first. Oh, I have to go first. Yeah. Or Sam, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Who want, whoever wants okay, to go first. So I can leave one piece of advice. Just make sure you're close to the mic for this okay. one. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I'm about to say something very profound. Yes. <laughs> Sorry that I'm a little sniffly. That's okay. Okay. So my one piece of advice to our listeners is, um, is, you, is take your dreams and take what you want to do, whether it's in real estate or not in real estate. But if when you sit down and you really think about something that you want to do, whether it's professionally or personally, um, my best advice is to just is to just do it and to not let fear stop you from doing it, from not overthinking it, but to really just 
kind of embrace the opportunity. And if I used to say to my son all the time, um, if you can think it, you could do it. And when he was little, I would make him hold his hands up and like in a little cup, I would say, let me see your hands. And I would say right here in the palm of your hand, though, that is where the world sits. It sits right there. And anything you want in the world is right in the palm of your hands and you can have it if you want it. And so that's my advice is that if you can think it and if you can imagine that world sitting in your palm, then go and get it and don't let anything stop you from from doing it. There's resources. There's people there who will support you and help you and love you through the whole process. Um, but don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something that you really want to. Very well said. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Uh, I, I think Rhonda's a good example that the people you surround yourself with matters. Uh, you know, you, you can have people that really pull you down and uh, create negative energy in your world. And, you know, like I mentioned within those first couple of days, I, I knew that partnering with Rhonda uh, was right for my world because of the just the positive impact and energy that I was being surrounded by. Um, so, you know, ma make sure that you really are being mindful of the conversations that are happening around you because you have the opportunity to change them for yourself, for others, um, for your family in the future. And if it's not trending in a direction that is healthy for you and, um, helping you grow, then you need to be able to uh, take ownership of that and and dictate how it is going to be moving forward. Make sure that you're removing yourself from those situations that are not going to help you prosper um, and that are going to hold you back because uh, the negativity is only going to overcome you uh, and, and having those positive people is going to help you be in a much better position long term. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys sharing that advice. It's great advice. And I really appreciate appreciate you guys coming out and uh, talking to me today. It's been a great conversation. Thanks so much, Max. Yeah, I've, I've learned a lot, you know, just hearing you guys talk about, you know, your experiences in real estate. And I hope uh, this conversation helps other people in real estate or people that are looking to buy or sell a house. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. So thank you all for listening to the Knowledge is Power podcast. And if you guys want to get episodes weeks in advance right so this episode is being recorded on january 27th it won't be available for a couple more weeks on widely available platforms but you can pay as little as three dollars a month to subscribe on patreon to get the episode a day after it's recorded uh so yeah early access to episodes through patreon uh so yeah and also make sure to follow knowledge is power on instagram and you guys have an instagram and a facebook right yes so uh go ahead and follow them alpern and messenborg group on uh facebook and instagram so thank you all for listening thank you sam and ron for coming on Thanks. and i will catch you guys in the next one